This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm proud to have our founder here with us, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Thanks, buddy. And uh, we, uh, we're we excited to just talk to you about things that we're seeing and thinking about. And um, and today, I, I think uh, we we were just talking about what's going on in the ministry. And, and I think, I think something you said, we did a podcast watch with me a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and, and, uh, it's resonated with a lot of people. And, and even me, I've been thinking about it a lot too, kind of watching with Jesus on what is going on yeah. in our lives, what's going on in this ministry, what's going on in the world right now. Um, and we were talking about some of the interesting things that have happened in the last year, like the uh, the Asbury revival, yeah. you know, in Kentucky and Auburn last week. Uh, yeah, week before all those last. baptisms that happened. <clears throat> right. and, yeah, and just uh, some really interesting things that are. Uh, what do you What do you make of that? I mean, do you think those are signposts of things that we need to pay attention to that, that God's going to be doing more more pouring out of His Spirit? Or what do you, what do you I make do of agree. This? I do believe that. You know, again, I think that uh, in the last days that, and I think we're probably in those last days. I don't know how long the last days are going to last, but there's going to be things that are going to look like that. Uh, there's going to be an outpouring of His Spirit. Now, it's happened before in different places. Uh, that there was an outpouring of his spirit and, and history continued on. <clears throat> but there's also an outpouring of evil like I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just unleashed. And uh, and generally when evil is unleashed, it's to try to counter something that God's doing. And and I don't think I don't think it can counter what God's doing. I think I think it's building momentum. I think that there's a a, a work of the spirit that's going on in hearts of people who well, it comes down to falling back in love with Jesus, mm. uh, going going to that place that was missing, and somewhere along the line, we've we've lost that in in the in the body of Christ. We've lost that intimate connection with Him. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that it's historic. We see it in the churches that were written to in the Revelations, and mm-hmm. a lot of that had to do with trying to remember who they were. Uh, they had forgotten who they are. Mm-hmm. They lost the power that God had given them at first. Mm. And I think it's just history repeating itself with human beings. That's the way we are. But I think at this time of life in church history, it, it appears to me that so many things are showing, showing that uh, the kind of thing that's happening now is a movement of the Spirit to prepare for something greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been seeing this now for a few years, that mm-hmm. there seems to be a momentum moving more and more and more. But this last year or two, it's been an exponential uh, outpouring of evil that's come on this country and this world, but also an exponential movement of the Spirit is coming as well. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And, you know, we... I, well, they called the deal in Asbury. They called it the revi- revival, and that's a word we we use and maybe even overuse a little bit. But, yeah. uh, but it's a it's a word that means reviving something that was 
<laughs> you know, dying. Or, you know, yeah, it's, it's and it's a revival. And we, um, you and I've talked many times. I, I in my lifetime, something very powerful mine was Promise Keepers, and you know. I mean, back in the, in 96, for example, and some of our listeners may not even remember all that, but uh, a million men attended Promise Keepers conferences mm-hmm. all over the country. And then even a million men gathered at the main mall in Washington, D.C. in 97. I mean, th- people were taking notice, you know, kind of right. like the Jesus Revolution when all that was going on. Right. People start taking notice when masses of people start paying attention to God and, and to Christian principles and they, they feel like something's being revived or something's being uh, there's a fire being lit or something like that. And, and I, I think that personally, I think the promise keepers movement awakened men was an awakening of men that I think that we're still part of, you know, with influencers. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Well, you know, the, the promise keeper movement was a, a, a spontaneous event. I mean, right. it was just fire was lit. Uh-huh. And it, it reached into the heart of men, and it spoke spoke to some things that were missing there, and and um, and fellowship that they wanted, and they wanted they wanted accountability, they wanted the things that that was offered there, and it was a blessing. I went to four or five, I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, and was blessed in every every turn. But I don't see that now. I don't see it being event driven. I see it more of a, a spontaneous growth that's going. It's just there's a it's kind of like a slow building wave mm-hmm. this way out. But as it builds, it gets closer to shore. It starts building in height and strength and power. Mm-hmm. And I think the wave has begun. I think mm-hmm. it's far out. It's it's a little bit more than a ripple now, but I think it's moving toward the shore. I think there is a building of it, and I think that we're starting to see it. Now, here's the thing that, that excites me, is that Asbury and also down at Auburn, those were those were college-age people. Yeah, right. That's right. So that tells me there's a, a new generation that's getting this infusion of the Spirit, Yeah, which is exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I want to clarify what I was mean, meaning by what I said is I think Promise Keepers awakened a bunch of men because they were like, wow, they'd never seen anything like stadiums of men praising Jesus together and raising their hands and all this stuff. But then they went back and it fizzled after the light kind of flame went out after a couple mm-hmm. of weeks and their churches didn't really know how to help these men that were on fire. Well, now we're showing people that you can have that feeling you had in closeness with the Lord, you felt a promise keepers. You can have it every day. Mm-hmm. It's called abiding in Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Let us show you what it looks like, yeah. you know? And so we're helping those people who got a taste of something. And, you know, on the young people note, um, I remember Tom C was reading some books about uh, uh, millennials and all that. And, and, and he was reading about how a lot of millennials um, were raised in Christian homes but they saw some duality. They saw parents that went to church and re- that was really important, but they weren't really living it out of home. So they kind of thought it was phony, kind of like, well, I don't want that. If that's what, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want it. So they're searching for something. They're, they're searching for the real deal, the young people. And maybe that's what we're seeing in some of these expressions of young people. Yeah, I think that the younger people are not into the traditions. Right. And I think that if you want to, appeal to them through traditional ways in church. I don't think they're responding to that. Yeah. Now, the problem also is you, t- you try to 
custom tailor it to what you can get them in there. And oftentimes you get them in there with entertainment or pretty close proximity to it, but you don't have a lot of depth in the teaching. Mm. And I think we got to attract them to Jesus. See, that's what they're longing for. Yeah. They're not yeah. longing for more religion. They, they turn their backs on religion. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of churches were left out because of it. They were perceived it that way. And some of the churches were just religious. Mm-hmm. They, were not, they were not helping them in the relationship. Now, those churches that are helping grow them in their in, uh, relationship with Christ, then I think a lot of the young people are now going back to churches, mm-hmm. those type churches. Yeah. But there's a movement outside the churches. I think there's a movement within the ranks, so to speak, Mm-hmm. The rank and files, people yeah. out there, marketplace, uh, colleges, and people that we see, businessmen, women, you know, the, uh, the campuses, high schools, coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just moving. Yeah. And I have a, I have a somewhat of a sense, I guess you'd say, there we're at the beginning of something that's going to be really, really big. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I love Jesus, Jesus Revolution, and that, that especially that one scene when Lonnie, the hippie, young hippie, is trying to explain to Chuck Smith that all these young people they're looking for something, and they're looking for love in the wrong places, basically, yeah. and and the, the answer is Jesus, you know. But who's how are they going to know if no one no one will tell them if no one will mm-hmm. show them the way and all that? So that I, I just love how that all kind of played out with Chuck Smith and all that, but. Um, but when we're talking about this, sometimes we kind of like turn our eyes instead of just on the world, we turn it to our own ministry. You know, influencers mm-hmm. were 22 years old and and you were talking about how a lot of ministries start out with a fire, with dependence on the Lord. There's excitement. They're almost like miraculous and things happening. And and uh, and then uh, they get some success and then they settle in. And then sometimes it can be a little bit, what, what was the term you used? Kind of a rope, rut, rot. <laughs> rope, rut, rot. Yeah, dullness. You said yeah. if you're not careful, a, a spiritual dullness can sink in yeah. or something like that. And we're not saying that we have that, but we, we're always on guard to what's going on yeah. with our ministry. So so what do you think in the context of our ministry and, and this idea, this need for revival and all that? Where do you, where do you think we play a role maybe? Or, well, I think it's inevitable that that would happen to us or, unless we're on, on guard. Uh-huh. Because it's the way of mankind to erode, uh-huh. and uh, and also when you get away from the beginnings of things and you get into subsequent generations of leadership, they tend to not value the original DNA, mm-hmm. and we we fall very hard to keep that DNA. Sure, I mean, people hear that all the time. They're tired of hearing about DNA, <laughs> but we got to keep it. Uh-huh. But you know, it's going to happen. But there there are also a lot of I think emotional things that happen, even in ministers and ministries. And think about it. You know, probably if we wanted to say what was the greatest exciting period of our ministry was during COVID, mm. and we and we were challenged with our model that we felt like we had to meet face to face, small groups. And then we were probably looking at it on basically, this is the way you do things. Mm-hmm. And then God showed us, no, there are other ways. And that's when our Zoom technology and groups uh, began to expand. And now that's planted journey groups all over the country. Mm-hmm. In fact, the world. 
through that technology, and it came by necessity. It came by trial. Mm. Now, one of the problems, I think, is that when you get beyond things like that, when your emotions are high, your expectations are high, but your also dependence is high. Right. And you get beyond that, you kind of settle down. Mm -hmm. You settle into what I think you could get in routine, mm -hmm. the routine of doing ministry. And when you do the routine of it, you lose the heart of it. Mm. And I think we always have to be going back to why we do this. Mm. We have to always go back to the first love because mm -hmm. that's our motivation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, and since you said that, I'll read this verse that we were talking about. This is uh, when, in Revelation when uh, John was given the word to the churches and mm -hmm. one of them was to the church at Ephesus. And this is in Revelation 2. It says, um, I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up my namesake and you've not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And uh, those are chilling words. Oh, right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, a, a little bit of a... An ultimatum, you know. Yeah, you know, you're missing it, you know, if you don't get back to the first love. It could be an ultimatum. It also could be an alert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the lampstand is his presence. Yeah. And basically, that presence is going to be there. The connection is love. Mm -hmm. I mean, our love for him, his love for us, and and I do believe first love is his love. Mm -hmm. His his first love. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, "You didn't choose me; I chose you." Mm. And I know this about my relationship with the Lord. He loved me before I loved him. Yeah. And it was his love that invited me in and has kept me going deeper and deeper and deeper with him because, you know, they say you can't get enough of it, right? Yeah. Well, the fact is you can't. There's yeah. just more to it than we realize. And right. As we start going that way, it becomes... Uh, I'm not going to say the word obsessive. I'm going to say it, it becomes highly focused and needed because mm -hmm. once we start tasting that living water, we can't have the other stuff. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the real deal, and we want that. And I think that when we get to the point where we're not no longer lit, drinking of the living water, we've got our own cisterns. We're storing it up. or yeah. we, You know, the illustrations Jesus gave. Yeah was about just getting by, mm -hmm. uh, then I think that's when we began to lose that connection. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I, I'm i convinced that God created influencers to help people find that connection. He gave you a process that, that happened to work, you know, yeah. in, a, in an amazing way with people, and it's been tested over and over again. And I, I wrote a little memo to some of our leaders the other day, and I was thinking, I'm convinced the devil would love for us to stop doing journey groups. I think you would love for us to do anything but journey groups because when a journey group happens, it changes lives. Yeah. And I'm thinking about when you talk about, you said something about growing weary or I, I see a temptation for people to go, yeah, you know, I've done so many journey groups. I think I'll take, I think I'll take a season off or I'll take a, few, a break yeah. from it, you know, or do something else that, that Satan would love that for us to all quit, you know, or, or I even had somebody say, are you guys going to come up with some new curriculum? I mean, you know, it kind of gets old going through the same curriculum over and over again. I'm like, Hey, that's like saying, do we need a new Bible? Because the <laughs> curriculum just points people to the word, you know, and, and I've led, as you know, like 22, 23 journey groups. And 
it never grows old for me because every group there's a there's a potential for a transformed life. There's yeah. there's all sorts of life. Every group looks different. It's the same curriculum, but the Holy Spirit works mysteriously in every group, and they yeah. they all feel different. And uh, and you get to have a front row seat to watch the the life change. So so yeah, I think of all the people out there. If you're out there and you've led a journey group or two, and you're just taking a long break or whatever. I think God needs you in the game. <laughs> I mean, there's people out there who need to find what what we found. And uh, so. and and you know, the thing about it is, I do believe that the the most effective guides are the ones who are on the journey themselves, no matter if it's their 22nd one. Yeah, yeah. And 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 again, it's it's just helping people see what we're seeing in Jesus. And when when we've got that vibrant relationship with Him going up, it's going to it's going to affect people. Yeah, they're going to see it. They're going to feel it. And it's going to be part of, you know, it's going to be part of that group, mm -hmm. a necessary part of that group. Yeah. And I have found people like yourself who have led many journey groups. And I ask them why. And said, because it's always fresh. It's always new. Yeah. And I've watched your, your people, by the way, I, the ones in your journey group. And they're all very all in. They get, get in early all in. And so I think it has a lot to do, again, with your experience with Jesus. Well, and I think, um, I guess it's our job as, as leaders in this ministry just to call people to, to the first love, to challenge them. Just, you know, that's why you always sum it up. If it gets too complicated, just abide. Yeah. <laughs> you know, abiding is the secret because yeah. that's where you find the love and, and the energy and the passion to go do what he wants you to do, mm -hmm. whether it be lead a journey group or anything else he wants you to do. Well, you know, Brian, I, I say this, uh, and I don't know if people really understand it as much, but the journey came out of my own personal desperation mm -hmm. in seeking to fill that void. Yeah. And I was an active church guy, and I, you know, I did all the good stuff, but there was something missing. There was a, there was a holy desperation. There was a, a sense of something more. There was a sense of need. I had to find it, and I didn't find it in the traditional means. I mean, again, I was set of some good teachers, and I'd studied my Bible. But there was something that was not engaging in that love connection with Christ. And when it finally got bridged, then I finally found what I was looking for. And it's hard to describe it. It's a sense of security that you have, the, the greatest security in the world to, to be wrapped up in, in God's love, but also a sense of safety mm. uh, and a sense of purpose. Uh, it drives me to want to help other people. I mean, that just comes out of this. And, you know, Jesus said <laughs> about the people that were shouting Hosanna when he was going in on the donkey on Palm Sunday, mm. and they tried to get him to stop the people. And he said, if they don't shout it, those rocks will shout it. Mm. And I think that this rock has to shout it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I have to shout it because it's going on in my life. And I think this is consistent with us. When 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 we are rightly connected, we are going to be playing a part mm. in reaching out to other people and helping make disciples. And if we grow weary of that and we're not involved with it because it's not producing, well we have to have to ask the question, where are we with our first love? Have we left it? Have we forgotten it? 
And see, here's here's where I why I look at it from the standpoint of Jesus' first love. It's His love that's first love, because I consider where I came from, and that's what was being said in Revelations. There, consider where you came from, mm-hmm. and I consider where I came from, and I will remember what it's like not to feel loved by Him. Mm. I remember that desperation. I remember that loneliness. Uh, I was the typical guy that walked around in silent desperation. And people didn't see that in me. They couldn't see it. I hid it well, but it was there. Mm. And then when I began to seek to find the answers to that, I had to I had to probably undo a lot of the uh, legalism that I was pursuing. Mm-hmm. And I had to I had to go down the path of grace. I had to understand that what that means. And and that was the big hunt for a long time is what does that grace mean? What does it mean to walk in God's grace, to live by it, to rely on it? Mm-hmm. And when I began to connect that that thought, then I began to understand he loves me loves me like none other. He does. And when you realize that, Brian, if you if that doesn't change your heart, nothing will. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I want to bring this up because we've been we've got a date on the calendar, April fourth through seventh, to have another gathering of our men. Um, there's a lot of women in this ministry, but we're going to be gathering the men on April fourth through seventh uh, near Tulsa. Uh, we do this every couple of years. We usually call it a summit, mm-hmm. and it's just a it's a calling off, off of the battlefield, I think, for all of our leaders or anybody that's part of this ministry to come and gather together and see what God would say to us as a ministry. And uh, and there's kind of a sense already that he wants to call us back to the first love, yeah. call us back to the first love with him. Even even I, I think you could even take it as far as say, call us back to the beginning when we first got involved in influencers. Some of the people who've been around a while, the OGs, as they call them, the old, old gangsters or the old guys <laughs> that have been around a while, remember... The freshness and the beauty, it's still there because it's Jesus. The whole thing's always been about Jesus and calling us back to that and keeping us keeping us united for the future, you know, for the yeah. future ahead. Because there's a lot of work left to do. I mean, we may be making a movie and have, uh, you know, thousands of people, new people that want to come into this ministry. we got to be, I think God wants us to be ready for that. Yeah, we're, we're part of a divine orchestration. I think we sense that. And and I think gathering the troops like this global summit that we're anticipating having up to 400 people, mm-hmm. 400 men. And we're even talking about the theme of it. And, and of course, I think you've just stated a very, very important theme, and that is let's get back to the first love. Mm-hmm. And what is that first love? And let's love. Let's get to, let's get to love in here. Yeah. Let him love us, us love him, and love each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that there there are several things that hinder that love, and that would be part of the discussions. Mm-hmm. What hinders that love? What hinders you from really receiving that? Mm-hmm. You know, we know the orphan spirit is one of those things that oftentimes plays into that. Mm-hmm. But also, just not understanding how it works. I had a young man yesterday tell me that one that I'm mentoring, and he's a very successful surgeon, very successful. And I've known him just about all of his life. And, you know, people who are, are generally very successful or, you know, high achievers, honestly, they're the ones, let me say that, we are the ones that mm-hmm. 
are typically hardest to reach as far as understanding grace love because mm. we just tie it to what I do, what I need to do, what I'm required to do to be able to be loved like that. And we have to surrender that. It's hard to do. It's, it's, it's just in us. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've been doing for the last, I don't know, a couple of years is talking to him about how much God loves him and the way God loves him. And um, he told me, he says, you know, Rocky, I heard God speak to me for the first time in my life. Mm. And he's starting to tear up right there in the restroom. He's tearing up. He's, and he went on to say, I heard him ask me, do you know how much I love you? Mm. And he just began weeping because he needs to know that. And I think then I told him, I said, look, I think I think you have heard from God. And I think God spoke to you at your point of need. You Mm -hmm. need to know how much he loves you Mm -hmm. because that changes your identity. It changes your self-value that that changes the way you see other people. Mm -hmm. Well, I I speak from personal experience. You know, I I was with. God grabbed hold of me at 30 years old through Promise Keepers, and then I got involved in my church, and I started for the first time reading my word and journaling, and and I I was building a relationship with God and and starting to understand some things and started using my gifts for leadership to lead men's retreats and all that, but it wasn't until I met you and, and went through the journey, I don't think, that I started realizing that he wanted to be my daddy, you know, that, yeah. he wanted to, that I was his son, that he wanted to adopt me, that he that he was pleased with me. I was still living, kind of like you, I was living under this performance-based yeah. mentality that I had to do enough good deeds to get him to love me, you know, mm-hmm. to, to please him, you know, and uh, and it wasn't about that. And and I don't think I fully understood grace, you know, like you just said, and, and love, his love for me. And that started changing things, taking me to the next level of, of depth with him yeah. and all that. And, and he just continued to build on it. You never you never arrive. It's it's just you just get to different levels of understanding or depth. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, again, I think God is always rewriting, you know, our understanding of him and ourselves. And I think that this has only begun. I think that we'll be free from a lot of things when we die get along with it but I think it's still going to be revealed more and more and more during eternity what that really means yeah yeah you, yeah I think you've said that before you know we're only beginning to, we'll spend the rest of eternity getting to know him yeah, I guess, that's right, right. Yeah. That's, right. that's right and and it'll be a love relationship like you said so so yeah so I mean I think you and I feel like our ministry is doing really well I think there's there's excitement there's growth there's new pockets of you know we learn stuff every day something new that we didn't know about where God's moving and all that um, but then we see areas where there's concern where there's where there's temptation where there's uh he's trying to take the leaders out he's trying to you know trying to get people uh, discouraged you know the enemy is that is and uh, and so we're trying to hold those guys arms up and but the answer is always coming back to the to the first love and abiding yeah. and letting asking God what he wants to do. Because he if he like you've always said, if he allows things in your life, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, if he allows a trial in your life, there's he's either pruning you, he's disciplining you, he's taking you deeper and and, and that goes for our ministry too, just as much as an individual. Yeah. So well we, we have no we only 
we only have one answer for the world's problems, Christian's problems, my problem, your problem. The answer is learning to abide with Christ because he opens the door to wisdom and uh, he enables his power once we start getting in a right place with him. Uh, and he invites us into being a part of something that's a magnificent work, that uh, a noble work mm -hmm. that he would have us be a part of. And I'm telling you, man, when you're able to be in something like that, it just it kind of redefines your life, mm. it re redefines where you're headed. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read you. I, I read this verse the other day and I think it connects as we kind of wrap up here, Rocky, but it was in James five and, and it, it was just talking, he was encouraging the brothers and he said, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives early and late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And so I think I was thinking about it kind of relates to what we're talking about here. We've, we've been in this ministry a while now, and uh and we anticipate there's some great things to come. We can't see the the past is in the rearview mirror now. And uh, it's it's a time to be patient. It's a time to establish our hearts, the time to be steadfast, to persevere. I think because God's got, I still believe you and I both believe he's got a lot of great things ahead mm -hmm. that he wants to use this ministry for. Now, the enemy would love to see this ministry just go away like some other ministries have yeah. and become a memory instead of a movement. And, uh, and we just have to, we have to guard our hearts and minds and, and keep steadfast, establishing our hearts, you know? So, yeah. So anyway, uh, any final thoughts? Or yeah, we, we need prayer. Yeah. You know, uh, leadership needs prayer to do that very thing you're talking about. We're messengers. We're the ones that keep everybody moving in the same direction, but we, we've got to have direction ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just ordinary men. And God has called us to do some extraordinary things. And, and, and with his help, we are able to do that. We've seen some really extraordinary things that have happened in these years that we've been in existence. And I think that that, that would be the, the truth of the ministry as well as individuals in the ministry. Yeah. So there are a lot of life stories out there that, that we can't even get on the air. There's so many of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Life transformation and, how they're impacting so many people. And, and there's so many people out there that are taking up the mantle of, of minister. Mm -hmm. there's, they're making disciples, our champions, our staff, our, our board members. I mean, people that we don't even know. Sorry. And I'm certainly not able to recognize now, but they're in the army. Mm -hmm. They're in this influencer army. Yeah. In this brigade that God is building. And, uh, and we pray that God will continue to add to our numbers. That's right. people like that. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Rocky. We're, we're out of time. But uh, yes, so uh, if you're a man in this ministry, uh, April 4th through 7th, mark your calendar and pray. If God would want you to join us near Tulsa, Oklahoma, we're going to be uh, at a place called New Life Ranch Frontier Cove. And uh, again, we expect 400 men to be there. If you're a woman in the ministry, 
know that there's some ladies who would love to see another women's summit, perhaps as early as next fall, 2024. So be praying about that as well. If you, if you'd like to know more about that, just contact us through our website and, and we'll try to connect you with the ladies that are, that are doing that as well. So anyway, this has been the Influencers Network podcast. Uh, go to our website for any information, influencers.org. We got all sorts of stuff on there and other podcasts and other blogs and such and information about journey groups and uh, even training materials for those who are guiding groups. So it's a great, great resource for you. So my name is Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.